everyone. This is Stacy, your host of Tent Talks Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We've got Kimberly Mehmet on sound production and editing, and we're so happy you're here. This week, I'm on a little bit of a soapbox, and sometimes I do this, as you guys know, and I I do get fired up pretty easily. I'm not going to lie. I do. And this week, I, I guess what really got me going is an interaction I had with somebody, and it kind of makes me feel like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Like, I just find this really odd thing to hyperfixate on, and then it controls the whole narrative. And I have to step back and look at the full picture all the time because I just, I do zoom in on one or two things, get laser focused, and then upset myself. And I know that's a me issue, but um, nonetheless, here I am on my own platform uh, on my soapbox. So let's get into it. I was asked to review a book for somebody and I did. And it was really hard because in the review process, I found some things that were very challenging. I found a lot of challenging information with the book and the book was essentially about abusive relationships. And as you guys know, I unintentionally, I, we talked about this on a few episodes back, my unintentional niche client or ideal client is an abused woman. And I never sought that out. I never was trying to target abused women. Uh, it just so happened to be everybody that I was working on. And I realized that as I was doing my own collecting my fragmented selves, healing myself, that the reason that my clientele is all of these abused women is because I was part of that demographic. And I had to recognize the abuse that I've experienced in my life. And I had to be brave and call it that because it feels really ridiculous, in fact, to say the word abuse, because we go to the worst case scenario. And in our mind, we've protected ourselves from thinking that we're the worst case scenario. We do this thing called othering, and it's a defense mechanism. And we see somebody else's story, and it's really loud. And we say, Oh, my gosh, I'm so glad that's not me. Or wow, my story looks nothing like that. And then what happens when you start to really connect with yourself? It's those things that really triggered you before that are actually part of your story. And there's a reason that that you were noticing them and kind of being offended and othering and putting up defense mechanisms. It's because your brain was bringing attention to it, but your soul's evolution couldn't quite yet accept the reality of that story that it might reflect something inside of you. And that's not to overgeneralize and say that everything is a mirror because it's not, but there is some real truth to the things that you are putting as far, far away from you because it's too uncomfortable to look at. There's a reason that that's happening. And to claim my experience as abusive has been a really hard shift for my brain to accept it because I had to get out of denial. And 
folks, you don't know you're in denial when you're in denial. That's why it's called denial. So to have this radical honesty with yourself, it's so freeing in a way, you know, you're not bound by those rules anymore because you're just like, oh, that's actually part of the human experience. Or, oh, I'm just like people around me. I'm not isolated in my little perfect bubble anymore. I'm just actually a human with everybody else. So there is some of that going on, but it's also gives you this permission to speak a little bit more freely about things. And I think the hard thing about claiming abuse is that seeing it and educating is exhausting because again, people's brain, while they're in an abusive relationship, they don't really know. Little by little, they have to collect the data and they have to collect evidence so that they can build up enough evidence to leave, but they can't build up too much evidence because they'll spiral into like a freeze state or a fawn state and they'll just keep perpetuating that cycle. And, and the body is very, very intuitive and very smart. And so when you're in an abusive situation or a relationship, your brain is doing this careful job of letting enough information seep through that you can identify, but not too much. And then what happens is when you leave that abusive relationship after after you're like, okay, this is a bad situation for me. I know I've got to get out. Then there's this time where you're strategizing and you're saying, okay, when, when can I do this? How can I do this? I've got to play by a certain amount of rules so that I can have things lined up to go. And it's not so much as like trying to fuck someone over as much as it's ensuring your safety that you can make it out because anybody knows that the reason women stay in abusive relationships is because they fear their life upon leaving. It's not something simple. It's very complicated and it's very complex. And so we, when people ask the question, well, why didn't they just leave if they knew? That's a very, very bad question to ask. It reveals yourself and your lack of compassion and information that the most dangerous time for someone to leave an abusive relationship is in the leaving. So there's this kind of trajectory of a person leaving an abusive situation and the brain comes up with enough data to know that it's abusive. Then they start strategizing and planning and then they leave. And then what happens later is their body starts remembering more information. Their body starts remembering and it's little things. I was talking to one of my dear friends and she was saying, like, I didn't realize that I couldn't even leave towels on the ground without getting reprimanded and shamed and, you know, called like a slob. So I was in this state of hyper arousal with like cleaning up after myself constantly. And so the first thing I did when I moved out is I left my towels on the ground. And it was like this moment of liberation. And I talked to a family member and she said, you know, when I, when I left my abuser, 
When I left that relationship, I noticed my tension headaches going away. I thought I had like a, like a chronic illness. Cause every day I was getting this like migraine turns out when I left all of a sudden I'm, uh, got more energy than ever. And I don't have any more headaches. And these are really common things that happen with people who've left abusive dynamics and relationships. They realize my health has increased. I've got more energy. Things weren't what they seemed. And I've got a lot more space and personal freedom to be myself because I'm not constantly molding around somebody's abuse. I'm not always in compliance of what the other person is forcing me to do or else, you know, enduring the abuse. So it's a pretty wild ride to go through the stages and supporting people in and out of abusive relationships. But there's also this other side of it where I call it being in the lion's den, like Daniel in the lion's den from the old biblical story, where a lot of people who leave abusive situations, they're still in contact with their abuser regularly. It doesn't end because of divorce. It doesn't end because of distance in the relationship or especially if it's a family member, like a parent or a sibling or a a friend, you know, and there might be a lot of common connections. There might be a lot of still daily interaction with this person. It's not like a, I'm done and we're free. For most people, it's learning how to maintain a relationship with this person. But now that you're safe, and now that you're understanding the level and the depth of abuse, creating adequate boundaries so that you can maintain safety in your body, so that you're not in a dysregulated state constantly around this person. Because when you're in a dysregulated state, you become really malleable and easy to manipulate because You're not firmly tethered to who you are. And abusers know that they can see that. And it's part of their gig, you know, it's part of the power over structure. And so essentially, this is not just a one and done wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, got rid of all the abusers. Now I'm living this posh life. It is, it's not like that. It's, it's a very tricky dance. And you have to do so much work and so much deconstructing and erasing their voice from your head and from your body and your reactions. You have to build up a very strong sense of self and a very strong internal compassion compass inside of you to learn how to navigate this. And my history supporting abusive women started when I worked at the Women and Children in Crisis Center as a night manager. And I was so completely shocked to see people I knew there. I was so completely shocked to see the disparities, the repeat people who come back again and again, who are fleeing, the people who have changed their identity and their abuser was like a computer genius or had a lot of money and bought out the system. And it was just amazing to see the burden that some people carry of just trying to establish safety. And that was a very heavy job and it was exhausting. And I left and I left with a lot of, a lot of information that has taken me years to process. And then when I started massage, I just kind of thought like, "Hmm, I'm just 
supporting people in relaxation. Little did I know I was going to be supporting abusive women yet again, but through their body and trauma and regulation and helping them build up their nervous system to expand their window of tolerance and get rid of the pain and even just manage chronic pain from being in an abusive situation. I can't tell you how many women I've support who are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who just are trying to manage their chronic pain from being in a relationship with somebody for 30, 40 years. All this to say, back to the beginning of the journey of somebody writing a problematic book about abusive relationships. It it really enraged me. And I thought, why is this enraging me like this? And it's because I know intimately what this is like. I know what it's like. And a five, two step guide is not what it's like. And, um, first of all, healing is a spiral journey. Second of all, we have to call abuse, abuse. Third of all, you have to learn how to navigate in spite of around, still around your abuser. Also, when I found out the origins of the person, like I thought they were sort of writing the book based on maybe their own experience. They've deconstructed some of their abuse that they've endured. And it wasn't that at all. It was, um, it was a, based on a search of what people are searching, what people need help with and to profit off of like something that you don't really know about. That's just highly searched. Like all of it was just hitting these parts within me. And I'm not saying it's wrong. It just was so different from my experience and so different from what I would seek out with somebody who was providing these services. And it, it triggered this memory that I have. I used to train people to become massage therapists. So I have enough hours and I have a approved curriculum that I could take on apprentices and they take the same exam as any other massage student in the state. It's just I'm the source of the education and the curriculum that I have would be the, the educational path rather than going to a school. And so I've, I've taken some people through that journey. And one of the very first things we talk about is this paradox of destruction and creation. And it's very tricky because it's like, you don't want someone to be in a car crash so that you can have an income but you're kind of serving people who are sick, who are hurt, who have chronic pain, who have stress, who most of my regular clients that have been with me for years and years, it's because of chronic conditions. It's because they are the people among the population who are dealing with things that maybe are even invisible disabilities. And that's who I serve. And I don't like that I profit or that I make money off of helping them. And so because of that, I do everything I can to help them feel empowered and give them information and provide them with education so that there's 
number one, not a dependency and there's no exploitation or oppression in this relationship because the fact is people are hurting and they are looking for solutions and there's nothing wrong with providing a solution or a resource to somebody's pain. But to think about this idea of doing a quick search and then finding what would be most profitable. And it turns out it's oppressed and abused women and children. that just sent me over the edge in my mind. And of course I created this narrative because later I'm talking with this person. I'm, I'm Marco Poloing them after I'm sweating bullets for having to say, Hey, I think this book is like for you. I think it's your journey. I wouldn't recommend anybody who's in an abusive relationship um, to read this, I would recommend maybe after years of, of coming out of that and maybe doing some reflection, maybe that's, a kind, you know, I'm trying in this. So what I think is being diplomatic to mask my own personal activators that got really lit up. And I was really impressed by her ability to connect with me and to take feedback and to hear what I was saying and to understand that it was like a deeper issue than definitely than she knew going into it, that she told me the origins of how it started, all of this to say. And as I've given it some distance and time, I think I know why we're drawn to the thing, even if it's invisible, right? Even if we can't say what it is, a quick Google search. And then that's the thing that she lands on. I think we are drawn to the thing that we need help. And I can't judge that. And I just had to sit myself back down and say, good, I want you to learn everything about this because you're going to need it when you deconstruct your own personal journey. And maybe it's going to be helping a friend. Maybe it's going to be, you know, finally looking at some of the pain that's inside of yourself, but it's like, when anybody finds themselves in a system or drawn to something, I really do think it's those invisible strings, as Taylor Swift would say, the invisible strings that pull you to what you need to work out in yourself. And so I just said, Jesus, take the wheel. I guess a Carrie Underwood reference, but Jesus, take the wheel. I'm not going to judge this person. I'm not going to be upset. I think more people do need information and maybe not spread, you know, inappropriate information or information that's out of context or that could cause more harm. But this is actually a win because people need to know, and this person needed to know that this is a real big issue and that it just so happens that living in the state of Utah is one of the worst states for, or I guess one of the best states rather, for abuse to thrive. Uh, we've got all the markers for very abused and oppressed women, particularly anyone who's a minority, but definitely women and children. And just on the news, this week was another horrible story of another man just murdering some family members because, because he could, because the system failed after years and years of reporting abuse and no consequences. Finally, it just escalated into a murder situation. And that's unfortunately really common here because 
our lack of resources and ability to actually believe and support women who report abuse. So anyway, I would never want to be cruel to myself that got into massage unknowingly. I had no idea what it would lead to, but I would never want to reprimand myself and say, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're going to be supporting abused women. You're going to be helping people co-regulate. So you better get your shit together and learn how to co-regulate. I would never treat myself that way now knowing what the journey, how it would unfold. And so getting on this real high horse soapbox, I really had to pull myself back down to earth and say, well, you know what? It's going to be their own journey and they're going to learn what they need to learn from it. And along the way, I was able to do my part, use my voice honestly to hopefully lessen any misinformation that gets spread. And I can only be who I am. And of course, I'm learning all the time too. I'm learning new information all the time. And that's the best that we can do. That's what everybody's doing. We're learning more and hopefully we're implementing that. And that's what awareness is. That is this thing that we call awareness. It's when the things that we know match up with what we're finally able to project and and how we show up in the world. And it takes a lot of presence. It takes a lot of mindfulness and it takes a lot of intentionality because when we live what we believe, we shift, we change. And that that's hard to do in relationships, especially long-term relationships to say, I've changed. I'm like this now. And it feels really threatening because as we've talked about before, one of the base safety measures for human beings is to belong. And so to have the courage to say, I've changed and I'm doing it this way now. It's a really big deal. And I encourage anybody to go on that path because it takes a lot of courage. So I guess what today's episode is basically about is sometimes we get hyper fixated and enraged and really impassioned, really impassioned about something. And then later we can just validate ourselves and say, yeah, this is actually a good thing. This is great. And just kind of zoom out from the situation. And all we can do is show up as our brightest, most honest self and hope that that's enough because that's all that's required of us. We don't have to do more than that. And it's just a good reminder for me that I don't have to solve anything for anybody. I just have to be me. And that's a big enough task on its own. I mean, you guys know, it's hard to be yourself. It's hard not to shift, not to conform. It's hard to be in alignment. It's hard to be aware and living your truth. And for those out there who are doing it, thank you so much. And I hope that our paths cross and that we meet up because those are the kind of people I want to be around or those who are brave enough to be themselves. Anyway, thank you for joining us today. I'm so glad you were here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Please like, share, follow, and we'll see you next time on 10 Talks.
Thank you.